Hello everyone, hello world, hello creatives. Welcome to another fresh episode of Inside Nollywood Conversation, where we discuss, digest, and lament lots more of discussion about the Nigerian film and TV industry. And I am your host, Musa Sunusi Ahmed. Everybody around the world, be it filmmaker, be it all across all disciplines, we are talking about artificial intelligence and metaverse. And that is, this is creative tech. And uh, uh, this kind of hurdles of technology meeting our industry, our disciplines, is getting a lot more of trendy discussions since post-pandemic world. And for us here in the film and TV industry in Nigeria, it may be words, it may be a new kind of set of idea, perception, and from all across discipline of filmmaking and soft sectors, be it script writing, be it directing, be it post-productions, everybody is talking about AI, artificial intelligence. And people are very curious. They will be missing their jobs. They may be doing, I mean, everybody is afraid of what is going to transpire in this reality of artificial intelligence and metaverse. And to do this topic a justice, of uh, bringing in someone who could give us insight, the decision of what is really happening with the, with the adoption of AI and lots more of things. And, uh, and what will affect adoption of AI in the creative process, uh, seen globally, for example, in America, uh, uh, writers, guild, uh, and actors, and everybody is, I mean, the genesis of even the strike a lot of people are saying is this issue of AI. So to this, to do this topic a justice, I mean, how Nigeria's film and TV industry are planning for artificial intelligence. To discuss this, we are bringing in a pioneer, uh, someone who have done so much in, in making sure it pioneered the process of marrying creative process, filmmaking process and technology in Nigeria. And, uh, this person is no other than anybody but a, a woman in a, a kind of a, a pioneer and a woman in filmmaking in Nigeria and across Africa, and also a founder and CEO of Alventure, a creative tech uh, company who have been doing so much in finding lots more of things that simplify and uh, inspire the process of filmmaking in Nigeria. And to do justice, I'm bringing in, I'm, I'm, I'm welcoming a creative tech entrepreneur who, who is finding this new set of ideology of marrying uh, technology, AI, or whatever technology and filmmaking, and also storytelling in Nigeria. This person is no other than anybody but Julia Ako. Julie, welcome to Inside Knowledge Conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you're, you're doing great. So thank you, Julie. For lots more of our viewers, this may be the first time they are say, they are getting one-on-one -on -one with uh, this creative journeys, this uh, creative entrepreneur, I mean creative tech entrepreneur in person of Julia Ako. Please mm -hmm. tell us your story. I mean, how you started from where you are and how you carve a niche for yourself as a creative uh, tech entrepreneur, marrying storytelling, writing, and all the process of filmmaking in Nigeria. 
I mean, how do you find yourself in this industry? All right, thank you for that question. So I'll uh, do the intro again. My name is Julie Ako. I'm a writer, director, and primarily I'm driven by human stories, stories with intention and meaning. And I'm also driven by the vision for a reimagined Africa. I'm also the founder and CEO of Urban Show, um, which you rightly said is a creative tech company that is marrying story acquisition and breaking down the ease of that process. So I have a background in computer science and film studies. And so my portfolio ranges beyond just filmmaking. And in that marriage, I realized that we have the tool to first of all, create a sustainable industry for ourselves as creatives and make it bankable in the international community. And so this is the real driving force. I would say that I, in my own personal space, I create content for um, top studios and I've done um, documentaries, short form content for productions like United Nations Verified Campaign and other, other series. So, but like for me as a creative, I don't just want to create content. I'm more about telling stories that connect with the audience. And connecting with the audience is the key. So in connecting, to, connecting with the audience, I realized that there are, various, um, there are various groups and to serve them, we need to continue to create avenue for the diverse voices that have the stories to share. And this is how Alban Show was born. That is the preliminary conversation here. Right? I hope I've answered that question. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, you, you do that. Uh, but Julie, uh, I, we follow you for a very long time. Maybe I got to know you pre-COVID, but I I got to fancy the work you do in the industry. I mean, I mean, a week a week or there about before lockdown. Uh, you 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 used to say so much about your your father, how you were inspired by your parents' storytelling culture in Africa and other things. How that inspire you and influence your love for storytelling? And after all, you just risk it all and go and study computer science. And still you say, hey, I got to go back to my first love. Yeah, I, well, that's a very interesting question um, because I think from the very foundation, it has always been a mix, a mix of the sciences and arts for me. So my dad was a storyteller too, and he told us a bunch of stories. I have some of them written in my diary. And then he had this way of like ensuring that when he's done telling you the story, you retell him. Retell. <laughs> it can be very annoying. Then it was annoying, but I didn't know that it was kind of um, grooming the storytelling um, spirit that we had. Um, but beyond that, we took our book seriously. And I was easily an A student in sciences. So it was just a natural progression. I didn't think it was abandoning my dream. I didn't think it was risk taking. It was just natural. And why I chose computer science was I knew that I didn't like blood. I would have gone for medicine, but I didn't like blood. And I didn't see any other area in science that drew my attention as much as, you know, I love just how practical and physical computer science was. 
um geology also was closely seconding that but it was also getting like almost um hard to implement in our world so i thought yeah this is the future computer is the future let's see how much i can learn and thankfully because it didn't come from a place of last resort or risk or abandonment i'm able to marry that um career and my passion for storytelling now in my you know in my work at albansho oh uh, that, that that was great and uh all of a sudden thank you africa magic pick off your story i mean tell us the genesis what's happened and your story just boom african magic pick off your story and you um, receive that multi-billions of dollars <laughs> wow that's an exaggeration but thank you i, think <laughs> I mean african magic african magic deals in dollars is not true you receive millions of them yeah, the one telling me, I probably have to write back and say, see what I was told. <laughs> I need to reevaluate. Re but um, okay, so I had a very, I had a very interesting relationship with Africa Magic when I was in school studying computer science. I was also writing. I was writing for magazines. I was writing screenplays. So my very first screenplay was purchased by Africa Magic, actually. And since then, um, I I saw them as people who take chances on young creatives. So um, when I left, I my first job was was as an editor for a magazine company. But then when Africa Magic threw up this opening for their talent factory, their film school, I was like, yeah. I, 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 I work with these guys. Let's see how I can benefit from this and also add to their own content. So it, it was a thing of I was getting value and I was also in a place where I could give value back. I, maybe, maybe there are a lot of people getting billions of um, billion dollar contracts, like you're saying. But, you know, for me, <laughs> for me, my driving force has always been to tell the story is always like the most important thing for me. And growth in learning how to tell those stories you know better so i have i have more of a academia relationship with them maybe with time we do have those commercial content created by us in collaboration with africa magic you know these are things that i'm very very much open to that was great what do you remember about that call that africa magic is is taking you serious um, the, the, my first script or which which colleague? I mean, the first script Africa Magic buy from you. Do you remember the first call or the email? I mean, and yeah, there's a reason. It was it was um, it was exciting and kind of gave me. It was a good tap in the back and validated my dreams. I um, I didn't want a dream where I would die easily because I couldn't fund myself or fund going for that or i would have to compromise because i needed to fund my life or my lifestyle so when they did that i saw okay yeah this can be a career for me it's not just you know wishing in the sun or waiting for luck if i can plan myself create you know a, i could i could create a career path here so that made me i think it energized me it validated me and you know just really made me excited i remember that 
telling my 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 auntie i was in my auntie's house when when i stole that first trip and i'm like yo i just did my first business <laughs> with storytelling so you see all that absent-mindedness that you have to deal with when you're talking to me it's paying off <laughs> it's paying off <laughs> so that was how i felt oh uh, amazing amazing uh, let's come before we get uh into the main topic uh, let's discuss about you struggling to get involved into uh i mean creative um film entrepreneurship and all of a sudden mm -hmm. You build a community and you decided to become a creative tech entrepreneur. What is the inspiration from? Okay, so it started with the talent factory. Like I always say, when I got into film school, I first was driven by the, you know, intention and creative fire in me to tell stories. So, but when I got there, there a lot of other tools that, you know, came with that training. You, you had to learn the business of filmmaking. You had to understand how the industry works and the, um, the long-term goals for the industry as a unit. It, it then, it, then there were also times when we, we, we struggled with finding a path for ourselves. So mo most people have to queue up for pitches or they just get, like, we just get confused along the way that after this, what do I do next? So I thought, okay, it's one thing to sit around the round table and talk or, or, or you nitpick on the problems that we are facing in the industry and say, oh yeah, there is no structure. It's hard to get anyone to fund your films or there is no one willing to collaborate with you or, you know, do it just a bunch of it. Our stories are not good enough. Bunch of, you know, problems that we were listing and like, okay, yeah, if we can list these problems, then why don't we create the solution? Nobody outside of this industry will create a solution for us. And um, best case scenario, we have people outside of our community within the industry creating those solutions for, and that's taking us around the circle of how do we make this a structured industry where you can, an, an investor can bank on it. So that's why I said, okay, I know I love making films. I know I love telling stories, but I also want an industry where I can thrive. So that's where it came from. Like creating this solution was something, okay, I know this. I have the skill set to bring in the right team. And this is what I'm envisioning. With time, I guess we will figure it out because we don't have all the answers. But that's that need to create solution and create an industry that is more structured was the driving force to start a company in tech or creative tech rather than just going to filmmaking and just make content which i could easily do you get oh amazing you seeing a problem and coming in to solve the problem yes mm. That is amazing. Uh, but uh, there is this thing uh, about uh, multi-choice talent factory. It have have lots more of African Ofcom and young filmmakers to find their feet in the industry. Mm -hmm. How that, a lot of people, for me, that is your, your breakthrough. But how are you seeing the multi-choice talent factory? How do I say it? How are you seeing the impact of your participation on that program yeah i consider i consider it as a catalyst you know so it all still boils down to the person who has been given this opportunity 
So um, when you go through that system, you come out a refined version of who you really are and what your vision and goals are. So that platform exists, but you you also kind of just make do with with that you know make do with it and you try and do positive with that some people sometimes you might not know exactly what you want to do but if you have such a it, it feels like a parent a, a parent to fall back to <laughs> so you can experiment and be like yo I, this is what i love i have this family to back me and they've been really amazing i mean as an alumnus of the institution i know just how accessible it's been since i left and I believe it's accessible to everyone that you know are part of the alumni body. Um, so it's a catalyst for you to spring forth. Uh, but it all boils down on you. What are you holding that you want to work with? Oh, that was that that was an inspiration. I I, I believe uh, outcomes and young 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 filmmakers seeing this who feel like hey, Julie said like you should keep trying. Yeah, I mean, keep uh, trying. You, you, you always learn. Learning is never enough. So that's one thing you would get that is a constant when you go there. You will learn. You increase your knowledge base. Um, but then outside of that, you just have to then have something you want to work with. Use it as your stepping stone to move forward. Is there a thing original and non-original African stories? <laughs> Um, I think what authenticity means is that it's true. It's true, right? So when I am telling my story and I see it, does it reflect me? Is it true to me? And if I am an African, if, it, if, the, if the answer to those questions is yes, then that's an example of an authentic African story because you just said, you just told a story that is true to an African and an African can relate to say yes. There is, I can see myself yeah. in this, then that's an authentic African story. There is no, there's no, there, I don't think there's any philosophical explanation to it. It's like, truth, is this the truth? And that's it. Oh, oh. And uh, can you tag Gangs of Lagos and original African stories? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know if you guys were doing film review. Is this just like one get my casual opinion about the film? Because <laughs> oh, if, you, if yeah, you check yeah. my portfolio, I hardly do film reviews. So, but I, it was a very enjoyable film. Uh, so, Julie, um, AI was now a thing in, in, in film process, film creation process. How Nigeria is film and TV industry are planning for artificial intelligence? Mm. How are they planning? Yeah, how um, Nigeria is film and TV industry, stakeholders, beat producers, everybody in the industry are planning for artificial intelligence, be it uh, handling it, adopting it. I mean, any kind of expectation. How are they planning? I know you're a pioneer and you're leading this fraternity, this call. <laughs> um, so I, I think that artificial intelligence is here. 
to stay is the reality. It's like saying, oh, BlackBerry is gone. There's iPhone now. You know, these things is an involvement of technology. Things will always evolve. So it's here to stay. It's here to enhance our work. As a creative, I think if you're asking what the, the temperature is in terms of acceptance, we are still at the stage of curiosity. We are still watching. You know, most of us are still like, okay, um, how either how does this help me or how does this harm me? I think those are like the two questions that is prevalent in the creative space right now. And those who fall under the how does it help me, they are actively researching and adding to the conversation about, you know, how to make creative work faster. You know, it's not taking away the author or it's taking away the creator in what I have found, but probably enhances you to be more efficient, time deliver in, in, in time and probably be more, you know, accurate in terms of research to, to some extent. And then those who fall under the how does this harm me, they're also doing a fantastic job because they're helping us to like question what are the risks, what the potential problems that would face so we can prepare for it, right? So we here in Nigeria are still in that curious stage. Um, there are people in the development stage where a bunch of falls in and some other um, um, tech enthusiasts who are creating AI bots and AI tools or probably just implementing. All the industries are literally in implementing. So it's, it's I, don't, I, I, think, I think it's just, the, the technology is not as scary you know, as it's made out to be, but the moment you understand it, but it's okay to question it right now. Um, I would actually urge any creative to question it before getting engaged with it. Oh, and it is true, like, uh, AI is taking my job as an information guy in the film and TV industry. Is it taking your job, Musa? Do you think it has taken your job? <laughs> <laughs> has it taken your job? <laughs> Yeah. So I, I I I do believe like they are saying okay, uh, all these directors, all this stuff. I mean, they are picking all our jobs, and and maybe I should I should be worried, and run to expert like mm. you. I have a way. Did I have any way out? Mm, good question. That's a really good question. Is if you are afraid that it's taking your job, it means probably that um, there are certain questions that we are yet to ask and probably ask those questions how can i use this how can i use this to enhance myself i don't think ai as a thing is going to take jobs from people what probably would take jobs from people are people who know how to use ai to enhance their work so if i if you have a colleague who knows how to use ai to plan interviews and just probably create a fantastic deck and do you know be more time efficient and then they come to me as an employer i probably take them because they are you know enhanced with ai and so that's probably the ways you know that it might reduce the people who are trying i don't think it will take uh, it will reduce the workforce because it's going to make a lot more people more efficient and faster um so if you are concerned about that, I think you should be thinking about how to plug in. Um, I make this example all the time about paper print, newspaper, and then digital blogs coming in and social media coming. And then there is 
than Twitter where anyone can be a reporter. Did this take away the jobs of reporters and you know professional um, um, newscaster? I don't think so. It enhanced the and made it more efficient to de- disseminate news. But then there were people in the traditional way that had to be relegated because they didn't want to catch us. But those who caught on probably then got better and you know evolved to the new era. So I guess we should be asking how we are going to evolve along alongside this thing. Of of course. And and and, and Julie, what are the areas? What are the areas AI is currently in use? or exploited in Nigeria's film and TV industry? In the film and TV industry, a lot of ways. I mean, you could get voiceovers from artificial intelligence. You could brainstorm. You could research, write research works, and and, and also content. So um, those are some of the ways that I have noticed. You can also create your presentations. so this, but there's a broad spectrum of things that um, creatives can do with it. It still boils down to that auto. What do they want to do? Um, this thing is just a tool. So I guess the, those are some of the ways that I've noticed. Personally, um, I use it for research. Um, I do know people who have used it to, to create storyboards, to create voiceovers, um, to, to script video ads. Uh, TikTok scripts, things like that. Like when it comes to like uh, post productions, uh, post production softwares like Premiere Pro and other Adobe and others, is there any effect when it comes to such that, such aspect? Yeah, I mean, I. If AI is enhancing post-production, yeah, I think it is. I'm not, I'm not a video editor, so I don't know the current, um, what is current in that software. But I do know that there is the possibility that you know AI can help you probably arrange your data, sync videos and, and, and audio there. I read about that. Um, even in animation, before it even became a mainstream thing in production, the, people have been using AI in, in you know, the process of animation. Um, so post-production is probably going to really, really benefit from this because it's such a tedious um, workflow in that department. So if you have an artificial intelligence that can probably help you sort your files, um, help you sync videos with sound, help you... Um, select good shots, help you name, I mean, file sorting is really big. So I guess those are things that, that, that is explorable in that department. Oh, all right. But so what are the challenges? What of challenges uh, the, the Nigerian film and TV industry or the non-use in particular may be facing in adopting AI? Um, challenges. I don't think there. I don't know. I don't know if uh, there's any unique challenge to the industry. It's, it's still the general um, slow adoption, um, curiosity, 
um, questioning what's this, is this going to harm me and stuff. So, and this is a collective, it's a collective um, atmosphere. Um, for us as creatives, we are wondering the same things that those in probably um, professional, professional careers um, are thinking too. So uh, I also believe that there is a way that AI is going to be integrated into our day-to-day -day lifestyle. So, you know, it will get to that point where everyone at home is thinking the same thing and thinking about understanding how to work with these tools. So I don't know if there's a unique challenge to the industry about the adaptation of AI other than the general sense of curiosity that is currently going on. And uh, uh, in your previous uh, sessions, I heard you discussing about uh, policies, government policies and intervention in making sure like uh, AI is well adopted and well used in Nigeria. What kind okay. of policies and government uh, legislation do you think like will hide not only AI but development of technological aspect of creativity and filmmaking processes? Mm. Yeah, I, I believe that when we do thoroughly understand where this is going, there will be need to have policies in place. I mean, we could see that with the Writers Guild of America having conversations um, on, um, on authorship and crediting writers that, you know, work with this artificial intelligence and also policies about not really replacing things that um, people can do with just you know AI so that the workforce so I guess um, um, employ, employment should think we should think about um, how we want to engage our young people with the advent of this so we don't take jobs I guess those are areas that government can be looking into so it's very likely that because AI can ease and make you more efficient. One person wants to do a ton of things by themselves. So there could be policies where it's it's okay to have um, um, skilled workers use this, but it's not okay to replace them entirely, you know, just because you can. So these are things that we can set in place. And then other things is in the, 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 the area of authorship. If you're going to work 50% with an AI or even, you know, a large... 80% um, with an, an official intelligence, who gets the credit? Um, I guess that um, the creator, the prompter, whoever is using this should get the credit in cases where there is a struggle between the public writer and the studio that has purchased the AI. So these are the things that I guess we, we need to look into. So they are in the better position because I think the goal should, should be that they, they, they are the population is engaged, is employed. So if the policy is going to enhance this, these are the things that we would give a thumbs up to. But if the policy is going to just further make things complicated, I guess everyone has to stand up with their clap, their, I was going to say clapper boards, <laughs> with their posters and, and probably rebel and stuff like that. So I don't know to the extent of policies that we need right now, but I do know that it should protect the interest of skilled workers and creative workers. Yes, most of what you do as a storyteller, 
and also create a third person uh, cycle around uh, licensing and intellectual property rights. Do you how yeah. how how do you think like uh, this issue of licensing and IP could be exploited and being challenged by AI? How it can be challenged? We, I think that you know, from from the things I'm, I'm still studying this thing, right? Um, so and from the things I'm gathering, you, you know, there there are a lot of ways that AI draws information from from um, from the world, from the internet, and this content, this whole source of information, been created by people in the past. However, there is no linking to a specific author when an AI is, you know, giving you feedback, giving you um, content or any information that you've prompted it to do. It is just rinsing through a bunch of stuff. So you can't really link it to a particular person, right? So it might be erasing it might be erasing the authorship of the original creators or the different people who have contributed to its intelligence. But in essence, the what it has produced is not their um, IP, it's not their copy, it's not, it's not their property anymore. But it is the property of that person who has prompted the AI or who is creating this content. Um, and that to me, in, in, as a creator myself, I think is largely fair because how do I create? I don't not, yeah, sometimes you say that there is this daemon that the creative genius like, gives you ideas, but we draw from everything around us. We still, you know, primarily creatives, yeah, we inventing. We are taking from other people's work. We are you know, inspired by other people's work um, and the things around us. So I, I guess that that's exactly how that model works, the AI model as well, is drawing from those things. So it shouldn't be a big problem, but you should, as a creator, have the right to create content. And, and maybe this is a policy that can also be adopted. You, have, you can have a right to create your content, put it up in platforms that is not accessible by AI. So AI doesn't feed its own intelligence by something that I have created. I mean, you should have that option to, to, to limit the access of AI to your original work. Oh, what a lovely idea. You should patent this thing. <laughs> I don't think it's an original idea, but yeah, I mean, people are probably thinking about <laughs> it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. But, but yeah, from what you have said, I think that may even suggest like all this hype of blockchain technology is not making sense because if block this blockchain technology will not be able to track where all this intelligence were guarded and make sure that oh uh, uh yes uh, they collected the ai copied intelligence from my something that i own the ip of yeah. then i have to receive benefit of what ai uh ai were generated and if any kind of financial exploitation were gotten from such ai creation or chat gpt or whatever then i have to go to my benefit in as much as uh, blockchain technology is workable then i think we should get this uh, yeah, I'm not technically informed enough on that subject, 
but it sounds like something that that should be doable because it's a it's a, an inventory right so blockchain exists to be able to track everything that has that has, that enters into the blockchain system so it's it's a possibility i just don't know how feasible it is to use that as a metric to to say this information was gotten from xyz person because the xyz person also worked with a bunch of other information to create that that content so it's really a web like the web you know the pawn is actually intended it is a web of a lot of things you can't create a string to one source the moment we can do if we can do that and if it's verifiable trackable yes that source should, should get compensation for that content that is you know crystal clear but when you can tell that there's just a ring um then it's a bit more complex than than how we're saying it mm. so uh how are you seeing i mean uh, how are you seeing the impact of ai in the nigerian film and tv industry in, in, in let's say five to ten years and how such impact may affect your gospel and evangelical uh, advocacy of marrying uh, creativity and technology to work together in making sure that storytelling uh, process were simplified and even increased the quality. How do you think that may AI in five to ten years will affect your? Uh, your advocacy, evangelical advocacy, and uh, promotion of the marriage between tech and creativity. Hmm. Thanks for that question. I think, yeah, the impact is is in five years. I'm not a prophet, but I do see <laughs> maybe much more adoption, right? And better understanding on how to integrate this into our day-to-day -day work um, activities. So I guess a lot more people will be informed. Um, there'll be better structure and policies. I also think that, like you said, the goal is efficiency. You are more efficient, you have more efficient creators. Our stories get better because that's what Advance really is we're not just giving a need to create content and put out there it's how we're be getting better at storytelling and one of the ways that we have we have on earth or uncovered about you know how to tell better stories is doing more research is having more nuance attached to the story having more context given to your story being more authentic and these are things that you could easily work with then you have more data to work with if you're working with an ai you probably have more accuracy you're able to understand cultures faster your research speed work is top notch so i guess this should impact our storytelling significantly so you don't you don't have an excuse to say um, in your film that a tv a, probably the cultural outfit of a tv person is gay and and two rappers when you could have just researched and see seen for yourself you get so those are the things like we will get better in storytelling for sure mm. uh, you're, uh, uh, I, I love hearing experts talking when they are making prophecies 
Oh my god. Julie, what we should be expecting from Alvin Chu when it comes to making the marriage in between AI and technology and the world filmmaking process and storytelling. What should we be expecting for Alvin Chu? Yeah, we've been the forerunner, we've been the pioneers, we've been the um, push for, you know, better work um, conditions for writers and producers and just bridging the gap between storytellers and those who are, you know, have the funds to make it happen. So we are seeing a lot more storytellers have the opportunity to get their stories purchased, optioned, produced, international producers so this this really is where we are at this is our goal and we would remain so long that there are writers out there who have content and that they are confused about how to go about it or who to sell or pitch to always be in business mm. and uh, how are you planning to exploit ai at alvanchu Yeah, it's not. It just it's it's a, it's attached to the software, so you have you can choose to work with it or not. It's just there to enhance your work and enhance your your delivery. So those these are things that we and, and we also want to grow with the advent of this um, technology. Grow with it, um, and starting now is I believe now is the best time to do that. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And someone uh, at some point, someone taught, used to tell us like uh, streaming, streaming business in Nigeria is not something viable. Are you are you buying this idea? Streaming business is not something viable. Will not work in Nigeria. You seeing what? the likes of Afri Noli and the likes who have tried and the left. And uh, so many people have tried to create a local streaming giant, from especially from the creative tech cycle. I mean, we need to look at local TV and ask ourselves if it, that did not work. It, I think it worked. It's such a successful story. Um, and there we, 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 we should study his blueprint, right? But beyond the local streaming platform, there are a bunch of other, you know, platforms now that are working. And Nigerians have adopted this very seamlessly. So if there was a prophecy that it would not work, I doubt that I heard it because I've always known that it was harder for a Nigerian to go to the cinema than it will be for them to watch <laughs> from a streaming platform. So I... I don't I don't I didn't see the pushback. What I did see is people trying streaming platforms wrongly. Um but again there are those who did it right, aka the local TV. So it, it, it would work if you get the blueprint right. Uh, <laughs> oh hearing from a creative tech entrepreneur and also a storyteller, it's it makes sense. It makes sense and it affirms 
uh, that it will work and there are lots more possibilities. But despite that, uh, being a rule breaker and uh, a pioneer, are we expect, could, could the industry expect Alvin Shu building a streaming platform for Nigeria, a stream and TV industry, or Africa at large? Oh, I like that dream. <laughs> Um, maybe in the future we decide to go into distribution, but currently it's not in our near-term or even long-term goal to distribute finished content. Mm, what up? What up? Take it in. People are, uh, there are all saying like people will go back to going to uh, physical cinemas. Are you tapping into any kind of ticketing or things like that? If you're saying if you're saying it's a viable business to look at, I'll then I'll look at it, I'll try to see if we can consider it. But again, um our business model is really clear and right now what we are focused on is writers creating content and being able to sell options, collaborate with you know other creators and then having a platform where they can create stories seamlessly. So for, right now we are in the pre-production and creation ideation stage we are that company for your ideation to production and there are there if you said there there is opportunity for for this model you just said but it's currently open to anyone to tap into it's right now not our our primary goal mm. that was amazing um, but Thank before you. we wrap up, I mean, I mean, it's it's always amazing hearing from experts telling us, "Hey, where are they seeing the Nollywood as industry in five to ten years to uh, to come?" Because currently, uh, with all commitments uh, from people like you, the industry is positioned second as the mm. second largest industry. Yeah. Are you thinking like uh, in in years to come? What kind of what? Where are you seeing the industry? I mean, not you within five to ten yeah, years. Yeah, I, I I see us. You know, when you say we're the second largest in the world, it's still in terms of quantity. So I think second largest in quality, you know, or even getting to first in quality is where I see us headed because we do have good stories, you know. And then we when we empower those who are artists who are called to do this. <laughs> then they will tell powerful stories that would serve as, you know, quality films that can stand on the international stage and compete with anyone from anywhere in the world. So let's keep empowering young people, people with passionate stories to tell, and then see where it goes, because we can't keep calling ourselves second largest in the world when all of that is just about the quantity of the content. We need quality. That will stand us out. Mm. So uh, thank you, Julie. Uh, do, you have, do you have any message you want to send to industry stakeholders, I mean, writers, uh, producers, directors, and all the industry stakeholders and governments? Because uh, there is this saying, your your immediate people are the are the less mm. valued uh, professionals in the industry. Writers, yeah. is that true? 
Um, yeah, I mean, for the longest time, they released them, recognized, maybe least paid in most cases. You know, some there are lots of problems we can list. It's endless. So um, I guess what we can keep doing is, you know, band together, keep fighting together. Um, our band show is here for that cause because we saw we saw it happening, and we said no, we won't join those just complaining. We will try and create a solution to this problem, and it's almost um, impossible to not get your credit as a writer on a band show or that you are not paid adequate or standard fee for your script or that you are not able to negotiate favorable terms with producers. So these are things that we're trying to put in place. Um, I do encourage writers and producers to um, check out what we're doing. Um, join the waitlist if you're a writer because then you have first access to the platform to you know work on your stories and just have a feel and then generally to the industry let's embrace this opportunity because it's not just an avenue for other people to join it's generally adding to the structural industry so people can create a career path for themselves people can be proud to be associated with industry and then we can have data that you know, investors can, you know, piggyback to and say, yeah, based on what Albancho has done over five years, based on what XYZ company is doing, we know just how much growth exists here and what opportunities are left. And then we make, you know, much more contribution that would better put us in a solidified um, position as an industry. For now, we're still all just living in our silos and running the rat race. When we become an industry as it should be, it, it would be much, it would be better for all the stakeholders involved. So thank you very much, Julie. We really appreciate having you. Thank you for having me, Musa. It was a great conversation. It was amazing having you. Thank you very much, Julie. On behalf of all our production crew, I remember your host, Musa Sunusi, how am I saying? I sign out.